Marble Machine. Hello, listeners. I already have the next Inventor's Apprentice story, Marble, in my hand. If you remember, uh, Norbert, our house elf, says that they are marbles from a parallel universe in which another version of me is an apprentice of a genius inventor named Adelbert Greenstone. Strange stuff, eh? I still don't think he sounds like me, but well, um, he sure has a bunch of decent stories nevertheless. Bear with me, listeners. I am still downstairs in the kitchen. These parallel universe marbles are a bit dry, and I like to eat my marbles with a chili sauce I made myself. It must be somewhere in the fridge. Ah, found it. Let me just get this dry marble a bit of taste, and we can be on our way. Mmm, there. Much better. Okay, listeners, I hope you're ready for the next story. The Inventor's Apprentice, Snakestone Mountain Written and narrated by Jacob Graff Recorded and edited by Tim Hofer Professor Greenstone had left his workshop in a hurry. He told me to take care of everything while he was gone, and, as always, he did not know how long he would be gone. He was already late to catch his plane, and if I hadn't seen his suitcase in the last moment, he would have left without it. The expedition to Tanzania had long been planned, yet when speaking of a genius like Adelbert Greenstone, one can never really plan anything. If you didn't know him better, one might get the impression that he's a bit muddle-headed at times. But being around him on a regular basis, I know that whenever he seems confused... It is, in fact, just that his brain is firing out hundreds of genius ideas by the second. Just imagine the difficulties that would create in one's everyday life. Poor Professor Greenstone. Anyway, the professor managed to catch his plane and was off on his next expedition to the misty mountains of the Uzambara in northern Tanzania. A few months ago, a colleague and old friend of the professor, Dr. Luwumbi, had sent a message from this mountainous region. Dr. Luwumbi's son had been on a school trip to the mountains where he was bitten by a deadly snake. He would have died if it hadn't been for a mysterious healer that saved the boy's life. The healer looked like an ordinary villager, but the whole region praised his magical skills in treating poisonous snake bites. The school teachers carried the boy to the healer's hut, where the man sat next to the statue of a wooden goat, with a staff in his hand that had the head of a snake carved into it. When Dr. Luwumbi arrived in the village, the villagers referred to the healer as Muchungaji Nyoka, a priest of snakes. After having thanked him for saving his son's life, Dr. Luwumbi was of course curious to find out how the snake priest had done it. The healer handed him a leather pouch containing a stone which looked like a piece of dark coal, only that its surface was much smoother. We call it Jiwe Nyoka, snake stone, the healer said. Being a man of little time, Dr. Luwumba had to fly back to the city to work, but he decided to ask his old friend, Professor Greenstone, if he wouldn't be interested to take a closer look at the matter. 
Professor Greenstone was up before sunrise on his first day in the misty region of the Uzambara village. Thick curtains of fog covered the huts as the inventor strolled past them. The wind howled as if a legion of ghosts were passing through the trees of the surrounding hills. It was colder than the professor had expected, and he wrapped his scarf tighter around his neck. The inventor sniffed the air a couple of times, and his eyes lit up when he realized that what his nose had detected was the aroma of freshly brewed coffee. He followed it until he came to a large round hut. An old lady was sitting in front of the hut by a fireplace on which two pots were already cooking. When she saw the professor, she poured coffee out of the first pot into a tin cup and handed it to him. Out of the second, she scooped him a serving of traditional ugali porridge. Chakula, she said and handed him a plate to eat. The professor thanked her and sat down. The old lady's hut seemed to be known for her hospitality because more and more villagers gathered around the fireplace for coffee and breakfast. The kids pointed at the professor and laughed. As the inventor didn't speak their language, he gestured wildly using both arms and legs. This, of course, caused even more laughter. But to the professor, people laughing was always a good sign, even if it was at his expense. After having broken the ice, he inquired about the man they called Snake Priest. He made a hissing sound and tried to imitate a snake head with his hand. The performance was interrupted as someone suddenly grabbed his arm. An elder villager stared at him, holding his arm in a tight grip. The man took a sip of coffee from the inventor's tin cup, gargled the liquid in his mouth for a moment, and then spat it onto the inventor's hand. Everybody was watching the man as he intently examined the coffee dripping from the inventor's hand. Then the man looked at the inventor's messy white hair, said something, and the whole crowd broke out into a fit of laughter. He says that he knows a homeless bird and asks if he could let it use your hair as a nest. A Tanzanian woman with big dark eyes said and introduced herself. Hi, my name is Malaika. I didn't think you would be up that early, Professor. Dr. Luwumbi hired me as a translator to help you during your inquiries. Oh, how lovely. Well, tell the man that if his bird would help me get rid of the nasty lice who'd never pay their rent, we might have a deal. There was even more laughter as Malaika translated, and then everybody was quiet again as the village man spoke once more. Malaika told the inventor that the coffee spitting was a ritual performed to see into another man's heart. He says he liked what he saw and that you could be trusted. He is the healer of the village. Everyone calls him... Snake priest? The professor interrupted. Yes, uh, how did you know? Uh, Dr. Lubumbi described him to me. Well, that's great news. Would you mind asking uh, him about the snake stone he used to cure my friend's son? The snake priest showed Adalbert Greenstone around the village while Malaika translated everything he said. The forests and mountains surrounding the village were infested with many deadly snakes, but the villagers suffered relatively little damage by them thanks to the snake stones. Every villager had one, and even the young children knew how to use them. 
but the snake priest was the authority on how and when to use them properly. He knew when it was safe to climb the mountains and where to find them. If he didn't approve, nobody was allowed up the mountain. If someone went despite his warnings, the chances of being attacked by a deadly snake were far higher. Everybody in the village believed in ghosts, and most of these ghosts lived high up on the mountains where the snake stones grew. What exactly is the snake stone? the professor asked. The snake priest gazed up at the mountains, and then Malaika translated as he told the legend of the snake child. The story goes that a boy once wandered the path up to the mountain all by himself and was attacked by a mountain ghost who had taken the shape of a snake. The boy knew that he was going to die, and he asked the snake ghost why he had bitten him, and that he had meant no harm to it. The ghost said that it protected the mountain from intruders, and that it was his duty to kill whoever dared trespass. The boy cried and told the mountain ghost how much he would miss his family if he died, and that he would love to continue living to play with his friends. The ghost felt guilty, but he could not turn back the hands of time. When the boy died, the snake ghost prayed upon the gods of the mountain to turn the boy's soul into a healing spirit that would protect the mountain so that any innocent soul that was attacked by a snake in the future still had a chance to survive. Ever since, the boy's spirit lives in a cave high up in the mountains and a black stone grows on the cave walls. Adelbert Greenstone asked if he could see the stones, and the snake priest nodded. He analyzed them for a whole week, but could not find out the secret behind their healing powers. Once bitten, the snake bite had to be cut open with a sharp knife, and then the snake stone was placed right into the wound, where it would suck itself tight into it. The snake priest said that it would only fall off after having removed all of the snake's poison. The inventor thought that maybe the stone just sucked the blood out of the wound until it stopped bleeding and that, when applied just after the snake bit the victim, he or she could be saved because enough poison was neutralized by the stone. One morning, a boy was found half dead in the woods with fever. A snake had bitten his ankle the night before. The boy was treated with the snake stone and, although the snake's poison had surely already spread across his whole body, when the snake stone fell off, the boy's fever disappeared almost instantly. This implied that the inventor's theory was wrong, which made him even more curious. He just had to see the cave with his own eyes. The snake priest warned him that it was not the right time to go up the mountain and that the ghosts were not to be disturbed. But the professor decided to go anyway. Malaika and a guide from the village came with him, and the snake priest gave them a pouch full of snake stones and prayed for them to return safely. The ascent was steep and the terrain harsh. Three hours into the journey, the professor slipped and almost fell off a cliff. The village guide caught his arm and pulled him back onto the path, but the inventor had dropped the leather pouch containing the snake stones. That night, they camped by a crater lake of an old dead volcano. The water was glowing in the light of the moonshine, and the body of a snake slithered across its surface. Nyoka, that is a sign of death. I am heading back to the village tomorrow, the guide said. 
Malaika tried to convince the professor to give up his plan, but he would have carried on by himself if he had to. If his genius was great, the only thing greater was the inventor's stubbornness and his thick-headed will. Believe me, I know. Malaika couldn't leave the old man in the mountains by himself, so she asked the guide for the best path and decided to go to search for the cave with the professor. They passed through a last patch of thick forest and reached a clearing high up in the mountains where a field of beautiful flowers grew. The silhouette of an old man was standing on the field and Malaika greeted him in Swahili. What are you doing so high up in the mountains? The man answered in perfect English. Are you looking for your goat? Oh, uh, you speak English. That, that's great, the inventor said. Uh, we aren't looking for goats, but we would like to find the Snakestone Cave. H have you heard of it by any chance? But the old man didn't seem to be interested in the inventor's question. Well, everyone has to search for his goat at one point in time, and if he finds it, he will only sit back and ask himself why it took so long to find it in the first place, because, after all, it had always stood right there in front of him all along, eh? <laughs> I, too, have spent many, many years searching for my goat. I search for it deep down in the ocean and high up in the mountains, on the great plains of the Serengeti and deep down in the forests of the jungle. Finally, I found its tracks right here in the mud. He pointed to the ground. I followed the tracks and finally found my goat munching on a clump of grass. It asked me what had taken me so long. He imitated a goat and went on with his story. Let's see how you handle yourself now that you've found me. The goat said to me, it took aim and rammed its head into my belly. That was the beginning of a long, troublesome road for me. The goat kept teasing and bullying me. It ate my food, rammed into me whenever I wasn't expecting it, and uh, got on my nerves whenever it could. As you might imagine, the point came where I asked myself why on earth I had been so obsessed with finding the damn goat in the first place. I had almost given up on the goat, but despite all the struggle I faced adversity and overcame it. One morning, I had finally managed to tame the stubborn animal. From that day on, we merged closer and closer until one day the goat was gone. I had become one with it. Uh, today, I tell this story to everyone I meet and always give them the advice to find their own goat, no matter what. And once they have it, to use every minute of the day to understand it and never give up until they become one with it. The old man gave us a satisfied grin and then turned to the mountains. Look, the fog is coming to end our little chat. Malaika and the inventor looked at each other, wondering what the old man had meant by the story and why the fog would end their chat. But before they could ask him, a thick fog laid itself across the field of flowers, and a moment later the two of them could barely see their own hands in front of their own eyes. When the fog cleared, the old man was gone. They called for him, but received no answer. Malaika held the inventor's arm and whispered, Maybe he was a mountain ghost. Strange indeed, 
The inventor agreed, and they moved on, never letting go of each other's hands. They had almost reached the mountaintop when Malaika screamed and felt a burning pain on her ankle. They both saw the slender body of a snake disappear into the bushes. Oh, oh don't worry. Look, the, the mountaintop is, is right there. Just one last little climb. I will find the cave and bring back a snake stone, and you will be back on your feet in no time. I promise. Malaika nodded. The professor raced to the top as fast as his old legs could carry him. The path was narrow and steep, but his will to save Malaika was greater than the struggles he had to endure. He cursed his own stubbornness, for he knew that it was his fault that Malaika was in danger. At last the path turned a corner, and he could see the entrance of the cave that the snake priest had described to him. But a huge rock lay in the middle of the path, blocking the passage. He had no other choice but to climb over it. Although the professor was exhausted, he managed to pull himself to the top. He climbed down the other side of the rock when a sudden flash of pain hit his forearm. The tail of the large snake that had bitten him disappeared between the rocks. He knew that he had to keep moving if he wanted to get to the cave. He stumbled onward, and when he entered the cave, the fever hit him and his vision blurred. The professor saw the black snake stones. He took out his pocket knife and tried to cut a chunk of them from the walls. His arm was throbbing with pain and he felt himself lose consciousness. Adalbert Greenstone slumped down with his back against the wall. He didn't remember how, but he managed to cut open his wound and place the stone into it. Then everything went black. When he opened his eyes, he found himself back on the field of flowers. The old shepherd was next to him and took his hand. They walked side by side until they reached a dark cave in the mountainside. When he looked at the shepherd to ask where he was taking him, the shepherd had become a young boy. Did you find your goat? The boy asked, speaking with the voice of the old shepherd, and then vanished. The inventor felt the whole cave come to life around him. It shifted and moved and jumped with him in its belly. The cave bleated and became a goat, jumping about wildly with the inventor inside. But before the inventor could grasp the absurdity of the situation, the goat vanished too, and the professor was surrounded by empty, colorless space. Malaika appeared out of nowhere, but when he asked her where they were, she pulled a clump of grass from her pocket and started to munch away. Then she too turned into a goat and jumped off into the emptiness. <coughs> then the inventor saw his family and friends and even me, listeners, turn into goats and bleak at him and jump off and vanish. At last, the young boy stood next to him again and asked with the voice of the old shepherd, You know your goat now? Uh, the goat that every man and woman must find. Taming the goat means to overcome adversity and to recognize what life is really about. Then the professor woke up and felt that his fever was gone. He had a clear head and a sudden satisfaction that what he had done all his life was good and fit perfectly for who he was. It felt in that moment that the meaning of life was simply to continue being the strange and confused inventor that he was. Despite the many people who thought he was crazy, uh, the inventor, now more than ever, saw it as his duty to be odd and peculiar. 
Only by being a strange, crazy old man could he be as creative as he needed to be. He didn't care how the rest of the world thought of him, as long as he could keep inventing and exploring. That was his goat, and he had almost become one with it. Maybe not as holy as the old shepherd, but he was on the right path. Uh, but there was something else, he murmured to himself. Wasn't there something I wanted to take care of? Uh, Malaika! He shouted and rushed out of the cave with another bit of snake stone in his hand. Malaika was still unconscious and her heart was already beating weak when the professor got to her, but the snake stone worked its magic. Soon she came back to her senses and told the inventor that she too had had a dream about the old shepherd from the flower field. She was sure that he had been a ghost of the mountains, and the inventor did not deny it. Malaika and him became the best of friends after their adventure. When the inventor came back and told me his story, I asked him why he didn't take home some of the snake stones and use them for another great invention. He simply answered that sometimes you have to leave things as they are. The spirits of the mountains are best left untouched. Uh, how was everything at the workshop while I was gone? The inventor asked me. I told him uh, what had happened to the Faunus speech converter and the frog named Clemence, but before I could fully explain why I had given away his invention to a stranger, someone knocked at the workshop door. Welcome back, listeners. Well, have you found your goat yet? I haven't, but maybe mine is just to sit by the marble machine and tell its stories. I love telling stories. I hope you love listening to them. And if you do, uh, come and check out our website, listeners, or visit us on patreon.com slash themarblemachine and become a patron. And as always, the next marble will drop.